All right. All right. Let's get it. Let's go. Time for another one. Time for another one. Welcome back to the Keto 911 podcast. This is your host, Daniel, your Keto EMT. I'm so glad that you guys came back to share another moment with your boy, Daniel. Hey, man, look, I'm just happy to be to continue to keep doing this. I've already had my rants, my raves, talking about my failings, my falling off of Keto, uh, to my friends in the squares at the table group, my fall from Keto Grace. <laughs> and I'm back at it. Fixing myself, fixing my diet, fixing my health, correcting, you know, my overall intake of what I put into my body. So that way, one, I can live healthy and be healthy. And the benefit of that is losing the weight. As I stated before in the trailer, we are going to talk about the pandemic before the pandemic that's still going on, that's killing thousands of more people daily before COVID hit. But this type of pandemic is controllable. This type of pandemic is avoidable in some instances. And this type of pandemic is reversible, even though they may not tell you that it is. They'd rather you manage it than correct it. So, Subject matter today is diabetes, the pandemic before COVID-19. So let's get into it. For those who understand what diabetes is, you you know, you know what it is. For those who have it, understand what it is. For those who have it and are not sure. Now, now let me be clear when I say this. There's There's an understanding of people who have diabetes who understand what the condition is scientifically understand what the condition is. And there is the vast majority, and I mean the vast majority of those who have diabetes, know somebody who has diabetes, who doesn't fully understand it. And for those who do not have diabetes or feel like you may be pre-diabetic because you're getting heavier or because you've been heavy and you haven't been able to go to the doctor either because of time or to lack of insurance or lack of funds to see a doctor, which is a common issue within this world. Or the number one thing, fear of the unknown, fear of going to the doctor to find something that's wrong with you. A lot of people don't go to the doctor because they're, they're afraid of what they might find out. And that's, look, I'm one of, I'm one of those same type of folks too. I work in healthcare and I am the worst type of patient because I will not go get seen. Unless it's for my, you know, if I'm deathly sick or if I'm just rough or or I hurt myself pretty badly. Like I have, I, we moved to a new location and I was carrying down this, just a sidebar before I get into the meat and potatoes of this, of this podcast, Car- while carrying down some, uh, like a dresser, I believe it was a dresser and I missed the last three steps. And you know how you have that moment where you fall slow motion, <laughs> And I was like, yep, I'm about to fall. If I put my arm out, I'm going to break it. So let me just shoulder it and just fall all the way down. So I fell all the way down. Then I kind of, I even kind of, I really twisted my ankle. About a month, two, well, three months down the line, my ankle pops. Woo, pops like firecrackers randomly throughout the day. I don't know if you heard that now. I just popped it again. But I'm just a horrible patient. I just don't want to be seen. But that's just the thing. You have folks who don't know who have it, who don't have it, who know somebody who don't understand what diabetes is. So 
let's go down to the definition. What is diabetes? There are three types of nutrients that you can get that you can get from what you eat: fat, proteins, and carbohydrates. One of these is the reason your blood sugar levels increase, which leads to an illness endured by about 50% of the population. I would say more than 50% of the population suffers from diabetes or being overweight, but it's diabetes. It is a disease which your blood blood sugar levels have been too high for a prolonged period of time. Okay? There are two types of diabetes, type 1, type 2. Type 1 involves a disorder with the immune system, which the immune system abnormally attacks the cells, producing fat-storing hormones in your pancreas, damaging, damaging your ability to create fat-storing hormones. In many cases, type 1 diabetes affects children of young uh, children or young adults. And we'll dive into more. We're going to dive into more of what these different types are, Okay. There's actually more than just type 1 and type 2 diabetes. We're going to get into it. Type 2 deals with fat-storing hormone resistance and affects mostly older people. With this condition, the cells in your pancreas cease to produce fat-storing hormone. This makes your body take excuse me, this makes your body take sugar from your blood to be used as fuel for cells. The process can lead to the need to take fat-storing hormone medications. And we're going to go over that, okay? How okay, so there's type 1, there's type 2, but there's even another type of diabetes. And this is usually for our, well, actually there's two. Well, excuse me. <laughs> there's four. Pre-diabetes, type 1, type 2, and gestational diabetes. Gestational diabetes usually affects women, primarily pregnant women, okay? Usually when um, women are carrying their, their uh, unborn child, okay, they usually don't have any symptoms. Um, they usually get tested for this about 24 to the 28 weeks in, into their pregnancy, and they may have them adjust their diet so that we, one, they can regulate their, their sugar intake because, one, their hormones are all over the place. The baby is making such an adjustment to their bodies that the, that the mother's body is having to adjust and compensate. She's usually in her intake of food is usually more. Her cravings, her her needs for what she needs for her body and what the baby is wanting cause can cause gestational diabetes to happen. Now, outside of pre-diabetes type 1 and type 2, gestational diabetes can go away after the baby is born. Okay. Type 1, type 2 diabetes of uh, and pre-diabetes are those areas that are usually, you know, the precursors to the uncontrollable, the uncontrollable aspects. So I've already talked about gestational diabetes. Let's talk about prediabetes real quick. Okay. So before we get into these realms, prediabetes is a serious health condition where blood sugar levels are higher than normal, but not high enough yet to be diagnosed as type two. Okay. Now approximately 88 million adults, American adults, that's more than one in three have prediabetes. Of those with prediabetes, more than 84% don't know they have it. That falls into the realm of those who haven't been to the doctor, who don't get their yearly checkups, um, who are afraid to go because they're, you know, they're worried about what the doctor may say, or they're trying to do these quick, you know, diet, um, quick diets, Atkins, and all these other little stuff, you know, without really fully assessing their health before they start, okay? 80, more than 
in the United States don't know they have it. All right. Pre-diabetes puts you at risk of developing type 2 diabetes, heart disease, and stroke. Okay. Now, now let's dive in more depth. Let's get to the science, y'all. Okay. This information that I got, you can research it yourself. Let's go ahead and get this out the way. Okay. The thoughts and the opinions that I have regarding these information is based off my opinions, my experiences alone. Now, I'm going to be giving you research information to do the work, people. Okay. Don't just believe me. Don't just believe me. Let me say it three times. Do not take what I say straight from, straight from the heart. Research it, folks. Okay. I'm not perfect. The information that I get is what I get from the CDC. I get it from the American uh, Diabetes Association. I get it from, and I got this information from diabetes.org. All right. You can research this information. I would encourage you to research this information. Even more so, the person that we started, the person who we started following when we were starting our keto journey, Dr. Berg, he has, oh my gosh, thousands and thousands of YouTube videos that talk about diabetes, insulin resistance, your understanding your body type, okay? He's a diet, he's a dietary nutritionist, okay? You gotta look, you gotta go to the sources of these. I'm just giving you what I have, okay? The information that I have is what I have to give you so that way it can help you and I can give and I'm going to be giving you my information based off of my experiences on reversing and reversing your, your health. I'm sorry, reversing the bad health lifestyle and the bad health choices and improving your life by having good health choices, discipline and, res and, and results. OK, I just want to make sure I get that disclaimer out there first. So we got over pre-diabetes. Now we're going to touch to type one. OK, people of all ages can develop type one diabetes. If you have type one diabetes, your pancreas doesn't make insulin or makes very little insulin. Now, insulin is a hormone that helps blood sugar into the cell walls of your body, where it can be used for energy. Without insulin, blood sugar cannot get into the cells, and it builds up in the bloodstream. High blood sugar is damaging to the body and causes many symptoms and complications of diabetes. Type 1 diabetes is pre was previously called insulin-dependent or juvenile diabetes. Then that's usually diagnosed within children, teens, and young adults, but it can develop at any age. Type 1 diabetes is less common than type 2. Approximately 5 to 10% of people with diabetes have type 1. Now, currently, no one knows how to prevent type 1 diabetes, but it can be managed by following your doctor's recommendation for living a healthy lifestyle, managing your blood sugar, getting regular health checkups, and getting diabetes self-maintenance education and support. Now, this is per the American Diabetes Association, okay? Type 1 diabetes is thought to be caused by an autoimmune reaction. The body detects itself by mistake. That destroys the cells in the pancreas and that make insulin called beta cells. This process can go on for months or years before any symptoms appear. Okay. Now, some people have certain types of genes, certain certain genes. Now, that's you know traits passed on from parent to child that make them more likely to develop type one diabetes. Though many won't go on to have type one diabetes, even though they may have the genetic background for it. Now, being exposed to a trigger in an environment, such as a virus, <coughs> COVID, is also thought to play a part in developing type 1 diabetes. Diet and lifestyle habits don't cause type 1 diabetes. Okay? For type 1, diet and lifestyle habits do not cause it. Usually, it's hereditary. It's based off of something that you inherit 
from genetically from family usually doesn't show onset from is tested in young children and in young adults now type two okay type two first thing this says in in the definition of type 2 diabetes is healthy eating is your recipe for managing diabetes more than 34 million americans have diabetes one about one in ten which i that's such a horrible ratio to me and approximately 90 to 95 percent of them have type 2 diabetes that's about that. That's the I can work with that. Type two diabetes is most most often develops in people over age forty five, but more, but more and more children, teens, and young adults are also developing it. Pause, y'all. Pause. More and more children and teens and young adults are developing this. Americans have the worst diet. Uh, well, let me just say it like this. Yeah, I'll say it, yeah. Americans have the worst diet. I remember in school, you know, early early school, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, we used to have like snack time, which would be like, you know, goldfish, cream cheese, some little grapes, sliced bananas, you know, then you go to lunch, you have your little, you know, your rectangle shape of pizza, you have your fruit, your applesauce and stuff like that, you know, your grapes, your apple, you had just simple stuff, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, just simple stuff. I was the king of eating the little pizzas in there. But as I progressed into middle school and especially in the high school, the snacks that were available in the in the in the in the vending machines were horrible. We had used to have this drink called Snapple. <laughs> now I'm showing my age. Snapple. We had Fruitopia. Our for a dollar dollar and twenty five cents, you could be able to get yourself a honey bun, and this is just any time in, in between passing periods and everything like that. And then by lunch, you'd have huge salad bar that was hardly ever touched. Then you had your hot bar. You know, you had your cold bar, which was your salads, fruits. Then you have your hot bar, which was usually pizza, fried chicken, uh, French fries, burritos, sausage on a stick, something just unhealthy. The breakfast was cereal and the little small little plastic things with the foil rip off top. And you can get donuts and all this up. Chocolate milk breakfast, y'all. Come on. Horrible. That's in schools. The children that are in these school that are in these grades now are some heavy kids. And I'm not talking about, and I'm not, I'm not trying to disrespect anybody's family or disrespect anybody's children, but these kids are heavy. And if the kids are heavy, usually nine times out of ten, the families are heavier individuals. And they have a huge history of high blood pressure, diabetes, hypertension, and and, and, a, a, and a series of health issues. Metro, they're taking metropolol or lisinopril, something to help manage their cholesterols, you know, or and blood pressure. Because they're because the, the American diet is carb and sugar heavy. Carbon sugar heavy. And if it ain't carbon sugar heavy, it's deep fried. And if it's deep fried, it's deep fried in a batter that has flour or corn in it. And, and it's just not good. It's just not good. The American lifestyle of food intake is the worst. More and more children are being are, are diabetics or pre-diabetics. They're heavy. Don't need to be. You know, 
not not to be political, but the second that Michelle Obama decided that she was going to make healthier food options a mandatory in schools, everybody rose hell. Oh, you, know, you can't do this to the kids, blah, 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 blah. Our children are getting heavier, and our children are developing health issues at a young age, which impacts them living a long life. Why wouldn't you want to help our children? Why wouldn't you want to help our children lead, lead healthy lives? For those who live in food deserts, you know, where there are low-income families, and I'm low in, I'm a part of a low-income family. I've always been a part of a low-income family. You were able to eat what you could afford, and what you could afford wasn't good for you. We knew it. We knew we didn't need to eat two and three double cheeseburgers, but hey, they were a dollar off the dollar menu. And when the salad from McDonald's costs six, seven dollars to get a salad, but yet a double cheeseburger is on a dollar menu for a dollar eight, which one are you gonna get in a in a pinch? You're gonna get what's cheap. So that way you can save some money if you gotta make them pennies stretch for a couple days. You know? You see the 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 I'm saying you can see it. You can see it per the neighborhoods. You go to the rich. Non-ethnic, okay. I just let's let's be real. You go to the white neighborhoods, you ain't gonna see this. You ain't gonna see this shit. When I go to the when I go to the white neighborhoods, when I work and you know I work in somewhere in between, but you can tell there are all the organic stores. There are all the organic stores. We're right close to the middle of the town by the mall. There's a Sprouts store. Love going in there. Fantastic. Very very good option. Go down a little bit further to the richer areas. Natural Grocers is right there by where uh, Macy's used to be, right across the way from the mall. Go clear way downtown, you know, way further on the south side of town. There's a place called Fresh by Brookshire's. More organic, more of this nice, nice, nice stuff that is all over the place, but they're not in the black neighborhoods. They're not. If I could be, I'm gonna be 100 with you. They're not in the black neighborhoods at all. You know, you have a whole bunch of restaurants down on the on, down on the south side because one, that's where the money is. On the north side, you got chicken joints, Williams Chicken, Chicken Express, Taco Bell, Popeyes, every unhealthy spot just dumped in the black poor, poor black and brown neighborhoods. So when you don't have options to have healthy options, you know, when you don't have the availability to have healthy options, and when your healthy options are not good, or I'm sorry, when your healthy options are not affordable, not good, but when they're not affordable, you have to get what you can afford. Now, I'm here to tell you, I'm here to tell you before I get back into the, get back into the lesson, there's ways to make healthy options in these bad areas, how we did it. We have to consume our leafy green vegetables. You know what? Pause. We're not going to go there because once I get through this whole lesson about the history, not the history, but the science of diabetes, we're going to go into how we can how we can fix ourselves. OK. All right. I'm glad you agree. All right. So let's see what causes type two diabetes. Insulin is a hormone made by your pancreas that acts like a key to let blood sugar into the cells and out of your body to use for energy. If you have type 2 diabetes, your cells don't respond normally to insulin and it's called insulin resistance. Your pancreas makes more insulin to try to get your cells to respond. 
Eventually, your pancreas can't keep up and your blood sugar rises, setting the stage for prediabetes and type 2. Now, high blood sugar is damaging to the body and can cause other serious problems such as heart disease, vision loss, and kidney disease. We're going to get into some other issues of, of type 2 diabetes as well, okay? Now, I'm just going to read to you what this says. I'm not a fan of what this says, but I'm going to read to you what it says. Unlike many health conditions, diabetes is managed mostly by you. With support from your health team, including your primary doctor, foot doctor, dentist, eye doctor, registered dietitian, nutritionist, diabetes educator, and pharmacist, family, and other important people in your life, managing diabetes can be challenging, but everything you do to improve your health is worth it, exclamation point. <laughs> you may be able to manage your diabetes with healthy eat. With healthy eating and being active, with or your doctor may prescribe insulin or injectable medications or oral diabetes medicines to help you manage your blood sugar and avoid complications. You'll still need to eat healthy and be active if you take insulin or other medicines. It's also important to keep your blood pressure and cholesterol close to targets your doctor says for you and to get necessary screening tests. Okay. All right. So let me let me let me unpack this. Let me unpack this, okay? The first thing this thing says is, unlike many health conditions, diabetes is managed mostly by you, but with support from your health care team, including primary care doctor, foot doctor, dentist, eye doctor, registered dietitian, nutritionist, diabetes educator, and pharmacist, and family. You know what that sounds like to a person who's low income? A whole bunch of bills? A whole bunch of bills. If you're having to in, not include if you if you can't if it goes past your primary care doctor and maybe a registered dietary dietitian dietitian registered dietitian nutritionist yeah if it involves more than that foot doctor eye doctor dentist your health is you're playing catch up you're playing catch up if you gotta see if you have an eye doctor and a foot doctor you are you're already having vision loss. You're already having vision loss. That means you're to the area, at that time, you're to the area to where it's almost irreversible, the condition. And if you're having to see a foot doctor, why are you having to see a foot doctor? Two words, diabetic neuropathy. Diabetic neuropathy. So let's go ahead and let's break down with diabetic neuropathy. Okay, diabetic neuropathy. If you heard the click clacking, I'm getting it. <laughs> I'm getting, I'm getting the definitions for you. I'm talking about we going to class, y'all. Diabetic neuropathy, also called diabetic nerve damage. This is a type of nerve damage that occurs with diabetes. The condition most often affects the legs and feet. For some people, symptoms are mild. For others, symptoms can be painful, debilitating, and even fatal. Symptoms include pain and numbness in the legs. In most severe cases, symptoms include issues with digestion, the bladder, and controlling heart rate. Treatment includes managing blood sugar and using medications to control symptoms. All right. Who's trying to call me? Okay, no, I'm sorry. That's an Amber Alert. That's damage to your nerves. That means that the nerve endings in your feet are firing off in pain 
fire. It feels like pinpricks. It feels like the bottom of your feet are on fire because guess what? It's nerve damage. That is your body's showing you that nerve endings are dying. They're dying. And when the pain goes away, that means, guess what? Sensation goes away. That means your circulation is about to follow. And what usually happens when, when, when people usually have horrible symptoms of, of diabetes to where they can't feel their legs and they start getting sores and all that on the body, you start to lose, you'll lose, you'll get amputations. My Uncle Herman was a, w, was a diabetic, drank a lot. He was a double amputee. Both of his legs were amputated below, above the knee. Many diabetics, especially the elderly diabetics, their vision goes. They have multiple amputations, you know, heart palpitations. It's not good. If you got to have everybody dietary nutrition, I am foot doctor, you're two, you're, you're two a very, very rough part of having diabetes. To where the to where the maintenance of what they're trying to say, you know, it's able you're able to manage it poorly if you're having to have all these. You're having to take so many medications because you're having high blood pressure, diabetes, hypertension, congestive heart failure. You're having to take so many medications just so that way you can manage. And by by that time to where it starts to get into where you have a diabetic neuropathy, it's hard to turn that around. It's hard to turn that around. Too many family members got diabetic, you know, got, got grandmama who has diabetic neuropathy, pain in her feet all the time. I work at a pain management facility, okay? I work at a pain management facility. So many patients that I come across with low back pain, radiating down to the back of the legs, sometimes it's due to, you know, lumbar radiculopathy to where it's the, the, the muscle groups in, in the spinal column are aggravating, pinching nerves, you know. And a lot of that is due to their excessive weight. Weighing 280, weighing 290, or depending on their body type, they're, you know, they're considered to be obese. And it's, and it's a huge contributing fact. And then when I'm going through my intake with them, when I was a medical assistant, now that I'm management, <laughs> pat pat on the back. I don't have to do that as often. But, you know, when I was doing intake, you know, you ask them, hey, you know, you have pain in your back. How long have you been having this pain? Oh, I've been having it for years. Okay, does where does, does it radiate down anywhere? Yes, it radiates down both my legs, down the back of my legs. Okay. Do you have any numbness, numbness or tingling in your feet or toes? And they're like, yes. Okay, is, is, is that when, when, when it's aggravated by your low back? And they're like, no, I have diabetic neuropathy. So they can't tell if the pain is being caused by their back or for the fact that they have diabetes. That's a confusing situation. To where one, if we help fix the part with their back and they still have the part pain with their feet, then that's a whole other pain management issue for the provider to have to diagnose, well, not diagnose, but treat. And they have to work and correlate with all the other medications that they have. It's hard. 
It's hard on families to have to do that. To have to to have to have so many ailments. Okay? So that's diabetes in a nutshell. But we're gonna talk about something right now, and we're gonna go over insulin. We're gonna go over insulin. For those who don't know what insulin is, there are different types of insulin depending on how quickly they work, when they peak, and how long they last. Now, insulin is available in different strengths. Most common is the U100, and all insulin is available in the United States. All that, excuse me, all insulin that's available in the United States is manufactured in a laboratory, but animal insulin can be imported for personal use. Now, the information that I'm giving you now is from uh, diabetes org when we talk about insulin all right so inside the pancreas the hormone insulin is made of beta cells which are part of the islets of langrens these islets also have alpha cells which make glucagon as well as delta cells which with each meal beta cells release insulin to help the body use or store blood sugar it gets from food. In the beta cells, insulin is created first as a big mo molecule called proinsulin. Proinsulin is broken into two pieces, insulin and C-peptide. C-peptide is important, especially when determining treatment because it can be used to measure how much insulin a person is making. The more C-peptide a person has, the more insulin they're making. This can help a provider determine how much insulin to prescribe. Now, in people with type 1 diabetes, type 1, y'all, the, the pancreas no longer makes insulin. The beta cells have been destroyed, and they need insulin shots to use glucose. They need insulin shots to use glucose for meals. Sorry if I got cut off. When I do this thing online, it only gives me 30 minutes on Anchor. I got to start recording it, then breaking it up. But anyway, the show shall go on. People with type 2 diabetes make insulin, but their bodies don't respond well to it. Some people with type 2 diabetes need diabetes pills or insulin shots to help their bodies use glucose for energy. Now, insulin cannot be taken as a pill because it will be broken down during the digestion, just like a protein in food. It must be injected into the fat under your skin for it to get into your blood. Uh, I know many of you have, have individuals in your family. I have multiple individuals in my family. My, my sister, she has to inject herself with insulin daily um to where she has to prep the area alcohol swab and you know i'll draw up the the metered amount uh to be injected and then self inject herself either before she before she eats or after she eats just like majority of the people in this country have to do for their family members or have to do for themselves okay now, there are different types of insulin. There's rapid-acting insulin that begins to work in about 15 minutes after injection. It peaks in about one or two hours and then lasts between two to four hours, okay? Uh, the types of insulin, uh, there's Novolog, uh, insulin, Gluacine, there's uh, Apidra, and insulin Lispro, which is Admilog or Humalog. Now there's reg and then there's regular or short-acting insulin that usually reaches the bloodstream within 30 minutes after injection, peaks anywhere from two to three hours after injection, and is effective for approximately three to six hours. Okay, 
That's usually humulin R, novolin R, or velocilin R. There's immediate acting insulin, which generally reaches the bloodstream about two to four hours after injection. It peaks four to 12 hours later and is effective for about 12 to 18 hours. And that's usually uh, the types are humulin N, novolin N, and relion. And then there's a long-lasting insulin that reaches the bloodstream several hours after injection and tends to lower glucose levels up to 24 hours. And that's a Traceba, Levimir, uh, Basaglar, and Lantus. And I didn't even know that there was an ultra-long-lasting. Jeez. The ultra-long-lasting reaches the bloodstream in six hours. It does not peak and lasts about 36 hours or longer. Wow. Types of that is 2JO or Glorogene U300. Now, premixed insulin can be can be helpful for people who have trouble drawing up insulin out of the two bottles and reading the correct directions and dosages. It's also useful for those who have poor eyesight and dexterity, and it's convenient for those who have that whose diabetes has been stabilized for, on this combination. Now, in 2015, inhaled an inhaled insulin product, Afraza, became available in the U.S. Now, that's a rapid-acting ins inhaled insulin that's administered at the beginning of each meal and can be used by adults with type 1 or type 2. Now, a freezer is not suitable for long-acting insulin. It must be used in combination with the injectable long-acting insulin with patients with type 1 and type 2 who use long-acting insulin. Now, this begins working in 12 to 15 minutes. It peaks at 30 minutes, and then it's out of your system in, an, in 180 minutes. That's usually, what is that, two and a half hours? I think that you have to do that every single time, okay? Now, the characteristics of insulin, there's the onset, which is the length of time before the insulin reaches the bloodstream and begins to lower your blood sugar. The peak time, as you heard me say before, is the time in which the insulin is at its maximum strength in terms of lowering blood sugar. And of course, the duration is how long the insulin continues to lower your blood sugar. Okay. Now, for as far as insulin strength goes, all insulins come dissolved or suspended in liquids. The standard and most commonly used strength in the United States today is U100, which means it has 100 units of insulin per millimeter of fluid. Although U500 insulin is available for patients who are extremely insulin resistant. Okay. Now, if you are traveling outside of the U.S., be certain to match your insulin strength with the correct size syringe. You got to be aware of that if you go, if you have to self-administer. All right, got to be aware of that if you're going to have to self-administer. There's just so much. There's there's just so much. There's just so, 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 so much that affects our communities, our families, our families, and our loved ones when it comes to this. Okay. I'm just trying to. I'm trying to reiterate the, the, the seriousness of this for y'all. Okay. Now, how sugar functions in the body. Sugar or glucose, okay, comes from food you eat. These are carb, carb rich foods like bread, cake, sugar, pasta, and any other stomach filling, starchy foods that you can think of. The sugar in your body produces a fat-storing hormone, which, which is a hormone that lowers the blood sugar level in your blood. When you consume more sugar, 
than what the body needs the four storing hormones stored as fat okay they say that contrary to the way we think the fats that we eat do not cause diabetes your fat intake does not increase your blood sugar levels proteins may but when you consume the right amount it does not increase your fat storing hormone the one thing that makes your fat storing hormone levels increase is the high level of carbs you consume They say the sugar and carbohydrates stimulates hunger. We all know that. We do. That's why you have sugar highs and sugar lows. Sugar starves you. So if you have the tendency to eat, so when you have lots of sugar and lots of carbs, you tend to eat more and crave more after. And when you and then when you, when you spike your carbohydrate intake, you also spike your fat storing hormone intake. And then it plummets you down because your fat storing hormone works so hard to push all the sugar out. You end up having a hyperactive low blood sugar. And then like a cycle, you crave for, crave more food, and you become dizzy and thirsty. Then you wonder why you gained an additional two pounds the next day. We all know why. We all know why. Now, in the last 50 years, people eliminated fat in the average diet on a, of a person because of my, it, the misconception that it triggers fat storing hormone growth. So people replace fats with carbs. <laughs> But only made the situation worse. It resulted in the increase of illnesses associated with high carb intake, including heart disease, high blood pressure, and of course, diabetes. Or as a man on the TV used to say, diabetes. Okay. So we've talked about diabetes. We've talked about it. We've talked about it. If you haven't learned anything about it, I hope you've taken the time to listen to this to actually learn about diabetes. This is some complicated crap. People live with this daily, knowingly and unknowingly. They live with this daily. This is killing Americans like crazy. Now, from diabetes.org, okay? From these, diabetes.org. In 2018, 34.2 million Americans, or 10.5% of the population, had diabetes. That's 2018. Nearly 1.6 million Americans have type 1 diabetes, including about 187,000 children and adolescents. That's the prevalence. Undiagnosed. Of the 34.2 millions with diabetes, 26.8 were diagnosed. 7.3 million were undiagnosed. 26.8 were diagnosed, they knew. 7.3 million were did not know. They were undiagnosed. That's a lot of people, man. Now the prevalence of seniors, the percentage of Americans 65 and older remains high, 26.8%. Or 14.3 million seniors. That's diagnosed and undiagnosed. 1.5 million Americans are diagnosed with diabetes every year. And in 2015, 88 million Americans age 18 and older had prediabetes. These are kids coming out of high school. Kids coming out of high school. 88 million Americans. Diabetes in you, 200. About 210,000 210, Americans under the age of 20 are estimated to be diagnosed, to have diagnosed diabetes 
and that's approximately 0.25% of the population. Diabetes by wraith and ethnicity. Okay. Okay. Y'all ready? Y'all ready for this? Now, the rates, now this is from the American Diabetes Association, okay? 7.5% of non-Hispanic whites. 9.2% Asian Americans. 12.5% Hispanics. 11.7% non-Hispanic black. 14.7% American Indians or Alaskan Natives. So you have your your black and brown people who have the highest rates of diagnosed diabetes. Now, the breakdown amongst Asian Americans, I don't know why they're doing this, but 5.6% of Chinese, 10.4% Filipinos, 12.6% Asian Americans, 9.9% are are other Asian Americans. Now, that's the breakdown of that 9.2% by region of Asia. Breakdown among Hispanics, 8.3 of Central South Americans, 6.5 of Cubans, 14.4 Mexican Americans, and 12.4 of Puerto Ricans. Now here is the scary part. Deaths. Diabetes was the seventh leading cause of death in the United States in 2017 based off based on the 83,564 death certificates in which diabetes was listed as the underlying cause of death. That's in 2017. I'm sorry, yeah, 2017. 83,564 death certificates which diabetes was listed as an underlying cause. Now, also in 2017, diabetes was mentioned as a cause of death in a total of 270,200, I'm sorry, 2,000, okay, 270,702 death certificates. 83,000 diabetes was underlying cause. 270,000, that was a cause of death. Two hundred seven thousand. Two hundred seventy thousand. That's in twenty seventeen. I got. I got to give you another statistic. Got to go to the CDC. Think about that. Think about that. 270,000 people. Okay, the CDC doesn't have it. Okay, so this is a rabbit hole. I'm sorry, I should have came more, <laughs> more prepared on that one. But that's from the American Diabetes Association. As of 2017, 270,702. Now, and now this is where it gets worse. Diabetes may be underreported as a cause of death. Studies have shown that only about 35 to 40% of people with diabetes who died had diabetes listed anywhere on the death certificate. 
and about 10 to 15 percent had it listed as an underlying cause of death. Now, that's scary. Diabetes may be underreported. You want to know why? Because the number, the, the amount of health issues that a person may die from outside of murder, car accidents, alcoholism, whatever the case may be, underreported. That 270,000 may be off by 40%. That's a year. It's probably gone up since then. And since we've had COVID quarantine for the past year and everybody gained the, the oh-so-infamous COVID weight, is probably going to be even more than that coming up. Now, the cost of diabetes, $327 billion is the total cost of diagnosed diabetes in the United States in 2017. That's people going to the doctor, getting labs, going through all these tests to be told that. That's the cost that your in, that insurance is paying out doctors, $327 billion. Now, $237 billion was for direct medical costs. $90 billion was in reduced productivity. I don't understand that part of it. Now, after adjusting the population... For age and sex differences, average medical expenditures along with diagnosed diabetes were 2.3%, I'm sorry, 2.3 times higher than what expenditures would be in the absence of diabetes. Now, if there was absence of diabetes, it's 2.3 times higher. Diabetes ain't cheap. This is the statistics as it is, as of 2017. These are the statistics. This is what's here. This is the reality. Our horrible eating habits, our horrible eating habits of this country, food deserts, and even those who have the affordability or have the knowledge of, 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 of what they're putting in their body, bad decisions. You know, YOLO. Do even people say that anymore? YOLO? You only live once? I just, you know, I had one co-worker say, you on keto? I got to eat what I got to eat. If I'm going to go, I'm going to go happy. God dang it, you're going to go uncomfortable. I would love to go in my sleep, painless. I wouldn't want to go with, with a huge list of medical issues, diabetes being one. I don't want that. You can be happy. You can eat good and enjoy stuff and be responsible. You can. It's ridiculous, y'all. It shouldn't be this way. It should not be this way. I'm going to take a quick break, give a message from uh, my sponsor, and give a good shout out to to three of my good friends um, who have been on this episode and mentioned to you their products. Stay tuned. It's the Keto Number One Podcast. The Low Carb Chef was founded in spring 2018 by Pablo Munoz and his wife after Pablo was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. So they decided to take action 
with a ketogenic lifestyle. He was able to reverse his diabetes and their overall health drastically improved. Collectively, him and his wife have lost 130 pounds and they were able to overcome issues like high cholesterol, fatty liver, anxiety, depression, chronic pain, and obesity. With this company, they've made some amazing stuff. You know, the products are frozen, ready to bake in the comfort of your home. And the first product that started it all was a grass-fed beef patty, which is a cross of an empanada and Jamaican beef patty. And he has lots and lots and lots of different items that are on his website. And he, and he lists everything down there, and all your ingredients, so that way you can read for yourself to see all the clean things that you're putting into your body. And he has a vast majority of different options to choose from. Unfortunately, my good friend is only in, 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 the, in Canada. Can't even say it right. So all of my Canadian listeners, you guys need to check out the Low Carb Chef for his products and his services. Check him out. Lowcarbchef.ca. You can look them up on the Low Carb Chef on Instagram and Pablo Munoz on Instagram as well. The Keto Oven, created by my good friend, the Keto Mike, as he is coined on Instagram. His story started when he struggled with his weight his entire life. And this is from his page, y'all. He wasn't necessarily fat, but he was bigger than everybody else. He was called Moose, but then later known as Big Mike. And that's just who it was. So it was natural that he had to be big. Now, despite that, he tried all kinds of diets, lose kind of lose all type of weight, but none of them ever worked long term. Until he found the ketogenic lifestyle. Now, the ketogenic lifestyle made complete sense to him. He started researching keto constantly and he came across guys like Drew Manning, Dr. Jason Fung, Dr. Dominic Diablisto, and Dr. Jeff Volek, and Dr. Stephen Finney, just to name a few. And with all the research that he did, he watched all types of YouTube videos, listened to podcasts, he couldn't stop talking about keto. Plus, he was losing, once he started the ketogenic lifestyle, he was losing an average of 10 pounds per month in the beginning. Now he's lost hundred pounds and he's felt the best that he's felt in his life now fast forward to the keto oven he is a real estate broker in Toronto Canada his wife was staying at home with their first child and they were messing around with some keto pizza and pasta recipes along with buns and that's how the keto oven was born based in Canada they have a wide variety of pizzas pastas and buns Lots of keto products to get out to the community, into his area as, as, as they see fit. He was the first person that I've ever interviewed on my podcast. And he talked about how establishing your why is crucial and important. With that why, he's built, he's rebuilt himself. Him and his wife have built their amazing company. Their website is amazing. The products that they put out, the information that he puts out on his on his Instagram daily is is nothing less than inspirational. And he also has a podcast called the Achieve More Podcast, which I'm waiting, can't wait to be a part of that, uh, to be interviewed on that. Check out his website, theketooven.com. It'll show you where you can buy it, buy it in Canada. It'll have his story, Keto 101, which breaks down what the ketogenic lifestyle is, recipes, and of course, you can shop for your keto products with him 
And also you can follow him on Instagram with the keto oven. And you can also follow the owner and CEO of that company, the keto Mike at the real keto Mike on Instagram. All right. Thank you all for tuning in for those for the commercial breaks. I have to go ahead and give my good friends their shout outs, their roses uh, for their products. So by all means, check these guys out whenever you get an opportunity to do so. Please, 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 please do. All right. So we know exactly what diabetes is. We know exactly how much it impacts people, the amount of people that it impacts we, we, we can see everything literally for what it is now. So how do we how do we fix this? How can we fix this? Okay. Now I was reading through some of this stuff and something I'm sorry, not through this stuff, through this information, and something stuck out to me. It says, while there is no total cure for diabetes, you can still correct and maintain a good sugar level to avoid complications. Start by trying to eliminate your carb intake from your pre-diabetes diet. Okay? It says, while there is no total cure for diabetes, you can correct and maintain, correct and maintain blood sugar. And then it tells you, start by trying to eliminate your carb intake from your pre-diabetes diet. And then the next sentence is what kind of contradicts <laughs> the previous statement. It says you can eliminate diabetes if you cut sugar out. So the first part of that sentence says, while there's no total cure for diabetes, you can correct and maintain a good sugar level. And then the last sentence says you can eliminate diabetes if you cut sugar out. I don't know about y'all, but that's contradictory as hell to me. Okay? It's just contradictory. If you get if you cut sugars out, processed foods, trans, you know, trans fats and you know, prepare your meals properly, eating leafy green vegetables, having the right types of nutrition for your body. Can you reverse diabetes? My good friend, the low-carb chef, Pablo Munoz, did. He was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, so he figured that instead of putting himself through a whole bunch of medications and injections and all this other stuff, he decided, he says, you know what, I'm just going to change it. I'm going to do this ketogenic lifestyle. And he himself reversed diabetes. He did. How can I reverse diabetes? They said that you can't reverse it. They said that you can't do this. You, they, they said that it, it, it's it, nobody ever said that diabetes isn't reversible. Nobody ever said it was. I've never. Can you reverse diabetes? Yes, you can. If you re, if you listen to Dr. Berg's videos on YouTube where he talks about diabetes being able to be reversed, yes, it is. You, you can do it. You can improve your health. How do you do that? You change what you put in your body. But I can't do that. I, I got to have, look, black folks kill me. I got to have me my bread. I got to have me my mac and cheese. I got to have me this. And you got to have you some diabetes too. You got to have you some high cholesterol. 
well, you know, I just, you know, you know, I just pray, you know, I pray to God that, that everything just works out. I just pray and I just pray. Look, folks, I can pray for it to rain. It ain't gonna happen. And if if the and if the sky and if the and if the sky is not cloudy, it ain't gonna rain. I could pray for my ankle that I hurt to feel better, but if I don't get it take treated, if I don't do the self care, it's not gonna get better. It's gonna get worse. You see what I'm saying? You guys gotta get past this part of just asking your deity or whoever you pray to for something and don't do nothing yourself as far as fixing your situation. The Bible says what? Faith without works is dead. So you can you just can't pray about it. You got to be about your work too. How can I reverse it? Well, one, you need to do it safely. You need to do it carefully. You just, you know, I would highly recommend anybody who is trying to go into the ketogenic lifestyle outside of listening to this podcast and researching it yourself, listen to Dr. Berg. Go to his go to his YouTube page. You can even search Dr. Berg and click diabetes, and there are videos to where this man explains how to do it and how to do it safely. And usually on Fridays, he goes live to where he takes questions regarding people's conditions and gives it and gives you recommendations on how to do it because one, everybody's body is different. Yes. What works for me may not work for you. If you have underlying health issues, you definitely need, excuse me, you definitely need to check Dr. Berg out because he's a he's done the schoolwork. He's done the research. He's done the clinical study. He knows what he's talking about. He's going to give you the best recommendations to help you. Plenty of times that I've listened to him go live to where people are saying, well, I'm type one diabetic. This is what I have. This is what I do. He says, okay, well, this is what I recommend. He has videos that break that break it down to explain to you how to do it and how to do it safely. But the first things you guys got to do is y'all got to get rid of this processed sugar crap. No more honey buns. No more cornbread. No more buttermilk biscuits. No more pancakes. No more mac and cheese. No more mashed potatoes. No more... You know, dirty rice, you know, more corn, cornbread, corn, cornmeal to fry your fish in, no more corn oil, no more processed sugars. Eliminate your carbs. You need to increase your healthy food intake. What? How did, what's my healthy food intake? Leafy green vegetables. I did a whole three-part series on how to build your plate. If you're listening to my podcast for the first time and you're not trying to and you're not understanding exactly what goes on the plate, y'all need to go back and check out my three-part series on how to build your plate. I broke it down. I broke it down. Fats, meats, and vegetables. Each one had an episode all by itself to where I broke it down. Go back and check these out. And then you can even research it yourself. If, if you want to stick with the Dr. Berg route, go to his website. Guess what? He breaks it down too and in detail. In order to gain something, you have to give up something. You have to give up something. It ain't just going to come because you pray for it. It ain't going to just come because you're a good person. You're going to have to do the work. For those who are business mind, 
business mind oriented, in order to grow your successful business, you're going to have to lose something. A lot of that is sleep. Because while, because while people are sleeping, other people are awake, grinding to figure out how to make their businesses a success. They're losing sleep so that way they can put all their energy into and their efforts into being successful in that endeavor. Life in any in, in any other realm is no different. In order to be a good parent, you're gonna lose some sleep. You're gonna lose, you have to lose some of your bad habits. So that way you don't damage your children from the trauma that you've experienced or had in your life. In order to gain a, get a good job, you're going to have to have good attendance. That means you're going to have to go to sleep. You're going to, there are things that you have to do. You're going to have to lose something in order to gain something. In order to find that good woman or that good man, you're going to have to get rid of them bad, bad apples around you, the toxic friends, the nosy people around you so that way you can have a healthy relationship with your loved one. It's no different with food. In order to reverse diabetes, you have to have good lifestyle choices. You have to have the discipline. You have to give up the bad things that got you there in the first place. There are ways that you can make keto foods tasty. There are ways to make keto foods delicious and there are ways to make keto desserts and keto and and the healthy things taste good. I know how to make keto cookies. I made a keto cheesecake. It's on my Instagram page. I've made some amazing keto dishes. Taste great. Sometimes they taste better than the processed foods that I used to eat beforehand and they don't jack up my body. Food discipline, getting rid of the crap that you're putting in your body so that way your body can get into ketosis by by eliminating burning sugars and burning the fat that your body already has for fuel. For those of us who have been heavy and who are healthy, we got a lot of fuel that our bodies can use for food and energy. Once you get yourself in the ketogenic lifestyle process of removing those things, taking your time, not making a sprint out of this and making it a marathon. How do you make it? How do you make it a marathon, Daniel? You pace yourself. With a ketogenic lifestyle, you just don't start off with just one meal a day. Oh, well, can I just wean myself off of bread? No, you stop it. (laughs) Can you just wean yourself off of cigarettes? No, you just stop it. If you don't want to have lung disease, if you don't want to have emphysema or, or, or you know, or, or lung cancers, what do you do? Do you wean yourself off of it? No, you stop it. If you don't want to have cirrhosis of the liver, do you just wean yourself off of alcohol or do you just stop it? No, you immediately stop it. If you have that toxic relationship, do you wean yourself off of that, that person or do you just stop it? No, you just stop it. And eat correctly. Now, is your body going to go through some changes? Yes, your body is going to go through changes. Your body is going to go through withdrawals because your body has been dependent on sugar. And now your body is having to reprogram itself to process and burn fat that it already has plenty of. So so getting into ketosis takes about a, a couple weeks to get into. 
But once your body starts to get into ketosis, after you have what is called the keto flu, you'll start to feel fantastic. You'll start to feel fantastic. You, you're getting your body healthy. And as a byproduct of your body getting healthy, you'll begin to lose the weight. You only eat when you're hungry. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner, three meals a day is not necessary. It's never been necessary. But that's what they've been trying to get the American people to believe. That's what they brainwashed the American people to believe. That you have to have three meals a day. Then there's the food pyramid, which is the biggest crock of lies known to man. Nothing that's in the, I'm serious, all the healthier things that you're going to need in the grocery store are located in in the perimeter of the food section, not in between the aisles, usually. The only things that you can find that are, that are the healthiest things are the peanuts, pistachios, almonds. Make sure you read the labels, of course. Almond flour, olive oil, coconut oil, grapeseed oil, um, almond flour, coconut flour, stevia monk fruit sweetener and that's about it <laughs> everything else i just deem is just horrible you have to take the time and read the labels i ain't got time to read the labels i ain't got time to read the labels if you do the bare minimum you're not going to get any results if you do the bare minimum you're not going to get results you have to be serious. You have to be anal about it. If you really want your life to change, if you really want your your health and everything to improve, you have to do the work. Now, for those who are diabetics, specifically those for diabetics, you have to check with your healthcare provider to see exactly what you are. I would highly recommend that you look at Dr. Berg's video so that way he can give you the advice on how to do it safely. Because there's extra steps. And instead of me telling you something wrong, because I do not want you to follow my follow my steps, I'm going to refer you to the to the medical professional when it comes to that. My profession as far as medical my scope as far as medical care, don't go that far. <laughs> I'm I'm an I'm an EMT, okay? My scope of practice is very, very short compared compared to Dr. Berg's, and I highly recommend that you res, that you research, look at his videos. And see exactly how you can do that safely for you. Because I do understand that even though you're doing keto, you still have to take your insulin as your body adjusts until you become insulin, you know, not dependent on it. And there have been many, many, many people who've given testimonials on this page about one, you know, about being on keto for so long to where they don't have to be on insulin anymore. They don't have to take their diabetes medication anymore. And then when they went to the provide went to their primary care, that they their diabetes was gone. It's not some miracle snake oil situation to where, oh, thank you, Lordy, 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 you know, I secured. No, you have to do the work, and it's not something that just happens in a couple of weeks. It's a marathon, it's a lifestyle change. It's not a diet, people. It's not a diet. It's a lifestyle change. Well, what happens when I get myself reverse to diabetes? What happens when I improve my health situation? I can go ahead and stop, right? Why would you? 
Once your body gets into ketosis, your body's not going to crave those things anymore. You may want it, but just like, I really don't need Chips Ahoy right now. I really don't eat Haagen-Dazs or Domino's pizza. This stuff that I'm making is good. My body feels great. And then I can tell you right now, the second that you eat a, a cinnamon roll from Cinnabon and you get that spike in blood sugar because of that sugar rush, you will regret ever, ever biting into it because it, 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 it wrecks you. Why would you want to change that? Why would you want to go back to that because you reached the goal? It's a lifestyle change. It's a marathon. Marathons don't end quickly. They take a while. You should want to continue that. You should want to continue that. You shouldn't want to stop it just because you've lost the target weight. Because the second that you start to go back to the bad eating habits again, it comes back and it comes back quick and your body gets wrecked. I'm living proof of that. I was doing so fantastically well. One bad habit turned into two bad habits, turned into three bad habits, turned into three months of bad habits, and I gained them there almost all but 40 pounds of my weight back. And I hate myself for it because I knew better. And I thought I can, per my last episode, cheat myself back into it quickly. And then I was looking, then, then once I started, I was scale watching. Wondering why I wasn't dropping fast. And, and I forgot my journey. I forgot the steps. I was marathon. I was sprinting my marathon. And I was not happy with the lack of results that I was getting. You guys got to give yourself some grace. Diabetes is reversible outside of public opinion. The cost of insulin. Right now, at the current cost of one vial of Hemolog 50-50, patients will spend $780 to $1,170 on their insulin every month. Type 2 diabetes patients can require even more insulin per month, sometimes requiring six or more vials. This could add up to $2,341 every month. And that's from the statesman.com as of February 2nd, 2021. As of November 6th, 2020, Novalin N, one vial, cost $90.60. Humulin N cost $183.74. Humulin N quick pen, $117.90 per, per pen. Think about it. It's not cheap to maintain diabetes or any other health-related illness. It's not cheap. And a lot of the people who are having to deal with high, high blood pressure and diabetes and all these other issues aren't high-income individuals. They're low-income. Because they got to figure out how to take care of their blood pressure medication, their cholesterol medication, all these other medications. And then on top of that, their insulin. Which one is more important to you? Which one is more important to you? Want to get your body into a, to a period 
to where you can get off of this, to where your budget, your monthly budget does not have to include as nearly as many medications as this to maintain it when it can be reversible and when it can go away. When you can start to have a life back instead of going on a know- going on a knowable decline in life, diabetic neuropathy, potential amputations, vision loss, cardiac function issues. Why go, why knowingly ex- accept a fate that you don't have to, that nobody told you that you could reverse? Now, my doctor friends who listen, if you listen, <laughs> may get mad at me. I'm trying. I'm, I'm, I'm busting out one of your super secrets from your fraternity now. It's <laughs> doctors love patients. You want to know why? Because patients help keep their life, their way of life going. It's easy. It's more. Doctors don't like it when patients go away. You want to know why? Because they lose that revenue. They lose that revenue. So as so with as corrupt as the medical system is in our in the United States, it's better for business to have patients than it is to cure people. Because if you cure people or show people how to reverse illnesses, then guess what? You don't have patients. Life expectancy is better. You don't have patience. If you don't have patience, you don't have money to build their, you don't have claims to build their insurance. You don't have copays to collect. That brand new truck that you just bought, you don't have to worry about them payments. That $80,000 to $90,000 Lexus that you bought, you might have to send back. That second house that you purchased with the car and all that other bulls, you ain't, you're going to have to worry about. So which one do you think they are more interested in? Curing you or collecting that copay from you next month? With the Hippocratic Oath saying do no harm, God damn it, y'all are some butchers, most of you. Y'all are some butchers. Y'all are some cold-blooded, cold-blooded fools, man. I have to give credit when credit is due. The, the pediatrician for... My children, I won't say his name. He specifically told us, you know, whenever we had issues, you know, with our children or whatever, he says, call me. Call my nurse. You know, he says, if you don't, he says, and I'll relay all the information to you that's needed. If If I need to call in a prescription for antibiotics, whatever, I'll do that. But he was like, but if you don't need to come, don't come. He says, I don't want to, unless it's, you know, you'd have to worry about an unnecessary bill if it's something that I can answer for you over the phone. If it gets to the period to where it's going, the situation is going on longer than what's needed, then by all means, schedule an appointment, come in. But if he says, I don't want to see you unless you really just need to be seen. People love this doctor. People will, he's an amazing doctor. I referred him to a couple of my friends and they just love him because he's a fantastic provider. A lot of other providers aren't like that. A lot of other providers look at patients as co-pays, as deductibles, 
as procedures as billable income. I'll say this, make them broke. Make doctors broke. Take care of your own health. Don't just pray about it and put your life in the doctor's hands. Use your God-given talent to research and use your brain and take control of your life. The ketogenic lifestyle, they say, oh, the ketogenic lifestyle isn't for everybody. Yes, it is. They don't want you to think that it is because they don't want people to, they don't want to lose patience. Now, are doctors needed? Yes, because there's a, level, a certain level of care that you're going to have to have bones break, situations happen, other diseases come around, autoimmune diseases, cancers come around, and we'll talk about have an episode on cancer as well. So where one, you're going to have to have treatment. I get it. It's going to happen. Everybody's life, everybody's life takes different turns. But when it comes to the keto, ketogenic lifestyle, you're taking your life in your hands. With the guidance, with the guidance of a medical professional. Some medical professionals hear about keto, like my PCP knows about knows that I do keto. She was like, oh yeah, just do it. Your levels are great. If it's working for you, you do it. I've heard things about it. As long as it's helping you, why stop it? When you reach a goal, why stop it? Keep going. Help somebody else. Take control of your life. Get rid of the all the starches. Get rid of all the carbs. Get, get rid of all the processed foods. Go cold turkey and get your life right. If you do not know what you need to put in your body, check out my previous episodes on how to build your plate so that way, one, you can start building your plate for keto. You get yourself into ketosis. Eat only when you're hungry. Okay? And take your life back. In order to get something out of it, in order to get the results that you want, you have to get give up something. And that's the bad food. That's the bad, bad food choices. And the benefit of getting healthy is the weight loss. Is the healthy life. Is getting rid of the pills. Is being able to enjoy your family without the ailments of blindness, diabetic neuropathy, heart problems. It's avoidable. You got to do the work, people. As my good friend, the Keto Mike says, you have to find your why. Now, I'm going to say this because I only got a couple minutes left. And I've been uh, kind of tweaked it, Mike. If you're listening to this, man, I tweet your, I tweet your message. Your why will override any outside distraction or obstruction to your goal. Anything can happen in your life. Your day could be sucking. You could be thrown all over the place. But your why will never go away as long as you stick to it, as long as you're disciplined to your why. My why is my family. My why is my children. For them, I'll do anything. I'll weather any storm. I'll endure any pain. And they are worth me giving up the bad stuff so that way I can be there for them. And the added benefit is that I lose the weight. People, you need to find your why. It may be your family. It may be you. It may be that, that that marriage that you want. It may be those children that you want that you can't have because you're BMI, because you're conditioned. Find your why and stick to it. Hold on to it. Get on the ketogenic lifestyle. 
and make the change happen. It's not just praying to praying to God to do it. You got to get off your ass and do the work. It ain't going to come to you. You got to go get it. You got to go get it. Thank you all for tuning into the Keto Number One podcast. Remember, I've always ended out, and I'm going to end it out saying this. People will forget your face. People will forget your voice. People will forget what you look like. But they will never forget the, the positive impact that you've done in their lives. I hope this message was able to give you some inspiration, to give you some education into diabetes, and to, and to a plan, a blueprint on how to change your life. Okay? Thank you all for tuning into the Keto 911 podcast. This is your host, Daniel, your Keto EMT, Ashe. Thank you for tuning into another episode of the Keto 911 podcast. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and of course, Anchor. If you want to donate to the Keto 911 podcast, you can. Donate to Dollar Sign Keto 911 Podcast. That is my cash app. If you want to follow me, you can follow me on Instagram at Keto 911 Podcast. I do post pictures of food that I do, some little small little food reviews and stuff, you know, as my progress goes along. I will be posting more content, so stay tuned. Also, you can email me at Keto 911 Podcast at gmail.com if you want to be on the show. I have no problem, and I look forward to interviewing anybody who wants to be on the show. If you have a keto-related product, service, or a nutritional business, or any or any medical professional that wants to be on the show to lend their expertise. Again, thank you for the time. Thank you for the opportunity. Always thank you all for listening to the Keto Number One podcast. This is your host, Daniel, your Keto EMT. Have a great day.